Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. A lot of you know I had COVID. Trisha and I had COVID last week, which is why we canceled meeting last, uh, last Friday evening. I want to thank you for all your prayers. Uh, our, our, we really had a pretty mild dose, and, and, uh, but I could feel the prayers and I can feel the concern, and it was really cool. So thank you. Thank you so much. I, I believe we're none the worse for wear, you know, and, uh, and we're, we're healthy. Praise the Lord. Yeah, that's a good, cool. Yeah, amen. Amen. Right. And I didn't lose taste or smell. I mean, like I was eating, you know, like I was eating like calamari and garlic and all kinds of really neat stuff. So I, I was just testing, you know. <laughs> All right. That was the birds. That, that song was the birds. It was a Bob Dylan song from the 60s uh, called Down in the Easy Chair. And, and the, the, the chorus has to do with, with uh, my bride's coming and we're going to have a marriage and we're going to sit in the easy chair and live life out in the easy chair and that kind of stuff. And with that, when that song, it was one of my favorite songs way back when, when I was a kid. And uh, uh, but you never realize when you read those songs, when, you, when you're kind of singing those songs that you're going to sometime get old and want to have a bride in the easy chair, you know. <laughs> and I've reached that point in my life, you know. So, so that was why I chose that particular connecting music uh, for this morning. Anyway, I'm feeling God wants to use the pulpit. Somebody said to me, I sense there's fire here this morning. And, and I believe there is. I believe there's fire upon this day. Um, the fire of the Holy Spirit. Fire has to do with transition. It has to do with energy. It has to do with light. It has to do with, 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 uh, with fuel taking us somewhere. And I'm feeling good about that. And so I'm feeling God wants to use uh, the pulpit this morning to tee up the meeting uh, this evening. And I realize that there's a bunch of you who are watching online. You didn't come this morning because you didn't want to come twice. But don't miss the meeting tonight. It's going to be an important meeting. And so uh, the meeting is about our us. It's our future together. And so we've been using the word for, um, for this meeting, and we use the word a lot, this word transition, right? And, and it's... And I'm kind of thinking this through, how I want to handle this. Uh, so we've been using words like transition, or these days we use words, catch words like progression, or passage, or change. And all those words are good words. But have you guys noticed how the word transitioned has transitioned in meaning? I mean, over the, the, the course of the last 10 years, I was two weeks ago, I was up uh, in the, at a hospital and, 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 and I was in a ward and I heard some, a nurse say to somebody else, we're going to move this individual. It was, it was in an ICU ward. And the nurse said, we're going to move this individual, we're going to move this person to hospice for transition. And I thought, well, that's an interesting way to express it, you know. And... <laughs> and uh, that's okay. Just got to pull this away a little bit. Oh, oh. No more scratchy messages, huh? You know, okay. So, so, so he says, we're sending her to hospice for transition. 
And of course, they were talking about sending her to, to, for, for, to prepare for death. I'm thinking, well, that's an, easy, that's an interesting way because we use the word, we don't use the word death anymore. We use the word transition. I'm thinking, so in the next translation or iteration of the New Testament, is it going to say that Jesus transitioned from my sins? You know, so, like, where does this all go? Or I was at, this is true. And a week ago, I was talking to another pastor in the Lehigh Valley, and I asked about one of the employees of the church there. And I said, I said, what's, what's become of her? And he said, oh, she's transitioned. Now, I was trying to figure out if she died. <laughs> but what he meant was they fired her. You know, <laughs> I said, oh, transitioned without pay. <laughs> you know, these euphemisms, you know, so we're talking about transition here and I'm trying to figure out like tonight, you know, and I'm trying to figure out, I have like this, this bag of vocabulary words, like what words do I come up? What word do I come up with to describe what I feel like God's doing here, you know, in this fiery time? And so the word that I came up with out of the, my sack of, of vocabulary words is this word, I, I'm defaulting to a football word. Is that okay? A football word. And the word is conversion. All right. Now, now conversion in football is like when you're in third down and you've got to get to you're fourth down and you've, you've, you've got to convert. You've got to get the first down again. You've got to move the ball forward. You've got to do so. Or there's the conversion after, you know, the after touchdown convert. I have to be careful to explain this because there's a lot of Eagle fans here and they don't see many conversions, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> so con the con a conversion is to make a change forward that's driven by faith and enthusiasm. You there? And with that idea in mind, I was searching through all the scriptures uh, to talk about, you know, the different ways that the, the people of God are moving forward, changes in leadership and that stuff. I mean, there's tons of different examples. I mean, the worst example, of course, is Saul, because God, you know, kind of had to take him out in order for David to come in. And I don't want that to happen. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I, I, so I thought that I discovered the right piece of scripture to hang our hats on this morning. I really do. I've, as a matter of fact, this is going to be one of those messages where sometimes when I compose a message, I'm very conscious that the message is for New Covenant and it's for the moment and all that. But it's one of those messages that's going to, I'm probably going to do in a number of other arenas. Are you there? And this is one of those kinds of messages. It's kind of interesting. I've never preached on this particular text before. I've talked a lot about the characters in the text, but never, never this particular message. So I think I've discovered where we need to go. So hang on to your hats. The title of this message this morning is the Yah-Shah conversion. Okay. The Yah-Shah conversion. Okay. Now, uh, look, apart from the really coincidental fact that Yasha is a Polish name for Jack, right? Yasha found the Kishka, Yasha found the Kishka. Yeah, but forget about that. Anyway, <laughs> Yah and Shah are, are two of the names of God, as well as the two of the names of God within the names of prophets, Elijah and Elisha, 
that I want to focus on this morning. And for those of you who haven't guessed, I mean by Yah, Elijah. Elijah's name in Hebrew is Eli Yah. And it means my God is Yahweh, right? And Elisha's name in Hebrew is Eli Shah, which means my God is salvation. And it's interesting. Have you ever noticed when you're reading through the scriptures in 2 Kings, how the name Elisha and Elijah are so similar? So much so that when you're teaching on the two of them, you have to be careful how you enunciate so you don't mix up the two. They're that close. But here's the interesting thing. The, the difference of the name of God in those two names has everything to do with the difference in their missions as they move forward from one generation to another. And the, two, the, the difference in those two names spells the difference in where those prophets are going and why they're going where they're going. Okay, so uh, here's a kingdom principle. I want to put up a kingdom principle and, and, and it can escape us when we're talking about times of change, times of conversion. And it's this principle, and boy, this is weighing heavily on me today, the, 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 the fullness of this notion, and it's this. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of continuity. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of continuity where God never squanders his timing or his resources or his people. I appreciated Brett's prophetic word this morning. It's proven out in my life over and over and over again. If leadership is submitted, if leadership is humble, if leadership is praying, if leadership is committed, as, as, as the people of God move forward, the kingdom of God is a kingdom of continuity where God never squanders his timing, he never squanders his resources, and he never squanders his people. Jesus prays at Gethsemane for, for all of his disciples. And he says, I've guarded them. He says, while I was, he says, this is what he says to the father in John 17 at Gethsemane. He says, while I was with them, I kept them in your name and I've guarded them. And not one of them has been lost. Huh? Not one of them has been lost. That's what Jesus does. All right. So I want to turn to this kind of renowned passage. You have to pray for me when I'm doing this. This is a tough passage to work through. It's a long passage, okay? So I want to turn to this renowned passage of succession, and it's in 2 Kings 2. And I'd like for us to read. Now, most of you know this. We're talking about Elijah and Elisha. And most of you know uh, that the context is this, that Elisha has been walking with Elijah as Elijah's prophetic protege, his disciple, okay? And, and there, there's a prophetic buzz going on right now. There's a prophetic buzz among the sons of the prophets. Part of Elijah's ministry was to establish schools of the prophets up and down the Jordan Valley, all the way from the Dead Sea, all the way up to the, the Sea of Galilee. Following up the Jordan, there are these schools of prophets all the way up. And he's done this. This is part of his ministry that he's established over the years. So all the sons, they're called the sons of the prophets. So all the sons of the prophets seem to know that Elijah is about to be taken up to heaven. Okay? And, and whether it was the prophetic buzz or whether Elijah actually told them something, well, we don't know. The scripture doesn't let us sit on that. But we're going to look at this fascinating story in 2 Kings 2, beginning in verse 1. And there is this 
see if I can, as we read through this story, I've noticed that I noticed it years ago, I continue to notice it. There's a prophetic dance. There's kind of a liturgy or a ceremony that takes place between Elijah and Elisha as Elijah is going to be taken up to heaven. And, and it's just a fascinating little thing. And so let's dig into it. I'm in, uh, I'm in uh, 2 Kings chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Now, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Verse 2, and Elijah said to Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. Now he's setting him up. But Elisha says, as the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. Now, what, what you don't need to know here is that's a covenant expression. In other words, that's a covenant expression that it's, it's so profound, it's takes place. This is what Ruth said to Naomi. It's, it's a covenant expression that even works its way into Hebrew wedding ceremonies. So Elisha's saying, I will not leave you or forsake you. We kind of put it in our own wedding ceremonies, don't we? Okay. And so this begins a series of, of tests whereby Elijah kind of prophetically challenge, challenges Elisha's loyalty and fidelity. And every place that Elijah and Elisha go together now are places where schools of prophets have been established. And there's this buzz going on, okay? So they went down to Bethel, verse 3. And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today is the day that the Lord will take your master from over you? And Elisha says, Elisha said, Yes, I know it. Shut up. I mean, that's what it, it says. Keep quiet here in the ESV. It says, uh, keep your peace someplace. I mean, in Hebrew, it says, shut up with your mouth, you know? And that's, I mean, it's really interesting. <laughs> and he says, yes, I know it. Keep quiet. So these are the sons of the prophets who are ordered. They're, they're, he's ordering the prophets to be silent. It's as if Elisha does not want any prophetic confusion to enter in to what's going to be happening. Are you there? It's like there needs to be a purity about what's going on. So verse 4, so Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here for the Lord has now sent me to Jericho. But Elisha then says, as the Lord, here we go again, as the Lord lives and as you yourself lives, I will not leave you. And every time that Elisha says that, it's a declaration of covenant. It's a, it's a declaration of love. It's the declaration, again, that Ruth gives to Naomi. So they come to Jericho, verse 5. And the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And Elijah answered and says, Yes, I know it. Shut up. <laughs> and, and verse 6. And then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me now to Jordan. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives, here we go again. And as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. And now in verse 7, 50 men of the sons of the prophets. These are all groups of the schools of the prophets, right? 50 men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them. And they both were standing by the Jordan. Now, the Jordan. <laughs> 
the Jordan River. The Jordan River in Israel is the place. It's the boundary of conversion. Uh, the, children had to, the children of Israel had to cross the Jordan to come into the promise on dry land. Naaman the leper had to come to the Jordan to be cleansed. He couldn't go to the other river where he wanted to go. John and his disciples baptized at this very place in the Jordan. Jesus' disciples baptized at this very place in the Jordan. Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit after baptism in the Jordan. So the Jordan's pretty important. It's a pretty important symbol of conversion. And so here's something quite amazing happens now as Elijah is going to transition his own life and put together a succession of Elijah's ministry. Verse 8, and then Elijah took his cloak, that's his mantle, that's, that would be like, uh, Trisha, would you stand up? Thank you. You see how her coat's draped over her like that? You planned that. Okay. <laughs> That's why I married you. Anyway, <laughs> that's what a mantle looked like. It just kind of draped over like that. Okay. So Elijah took his cloak or his mantle and rolled it up and rolled it up like a staff, right? And he slapped the water. He struck the water and the water of the Jordan was parted to the one side and the other till the two of them could go over the waters of the Jordan River on dry ground, okay? Now, this is the only time in the history of Israel that the waters of the Jordan parted so that someone could leave the land. Huh? It's interesting, isn't it? Fascinating scripture right here. Verse 9, and so when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, well, ask what I shall, ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. And Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit upon me. Verse 10, so Elijah said, you've asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I'm being taken up from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. In other words, the prophetic insight that you're looking for, only God can provide. Are you there? It ain't for me to give. Verse 11. And as they still went out and they talked, they were talking, behold, I love this because somebody said there's fire in the building this morning. And I, I just, I believe that's true. And as they still went and talked, behold, chariots of fire. My favorite movie, I think. Chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Verse 12, and Elisha saw it and he cried out, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. The phrasing, this phrasing, my father, my father, you, it means this, my father, you are the spiritual defense of Israel. What will we do? Are you there? By the way, when, Elijah, when Elisha dies all those years later, King Joash says to him, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Wow, I love the way God succeeds in his kingdom. Verse 12, and Elisha saw it and he cried out. Okay, I did that. All right, and then he took hold of his own clothes, Elisha, and he tore them in pieces. He's on the other side of the Jordan now. He tore them in pieces and he took up the mantle. Now notice, Elijah, Elijah did not put the mantle on Elisha, 
But when Elijah went up, the mantle was left. Huh? And, 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 Elijah, and, 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 and Elijah picked up the mantle that had fallen from Elijah. Elijah, there I go, fallen from Elijah. And he stood up on the banks of the Jordan. And he took that mantle, verse 14, that had fallen from him, and he rolled it up, and he struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, well, look at that. The water was parted to the one side and to the other, and Elisha went back over on dry land. Isn't that interesting? So he leaves Israel supernaturally, and he reenters Israel supernaturally. And the water was parted. Okay, two important things here. Elijah had to leave his ministry to leave for heaven. Okay, more importantly, when Elijah left his ministry to leave for heaven, the mantle stayed here. Are you there? Huh? All right, verse 15. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho, now these opposite them, they said the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Just to give you perspective here, uh, this whole thing takes place. Like if I was the sons of the prophets and, and like Broad Street was, was, uh, was Jordan, okay, this whole thing takes place like from about here to Billy's Cafe. I mean, that's the distances we're talking about because you can think of football fields and stuff. It's, Jordan's not very wide at all. It's not very... Matter of fact... I was baptizing in the Jordan a couple years ago. I was baptizing people in the Jordan River at this very spot. And, and there's, like, there's these buoys like right down the middle of the Jordan River. And on this side is Israel, on the other side is Jordan. And on, on, in Jordan, uh, on the other side of those buoys, there are all these, these Jordanian soldiers with, with Uzis, with submachine guns. And like all, you know, everybody's baptized. And, and the river's flowing, and they kept moving me out toward the center of the river to make room for other people to baptize. And, and I'm thinking, if I go down and come up on the other side, Trisha's spending Christmas alone this year, you know? So, I mean, seriously, it's that, it's that thin. So it's, it's, there's not, there are not huge uh, dimensions, uh, uh, dimensions of, of space that's going on here. So, okay. So the mantle or the cloak is a sign of the presence of God and the authority of God upon human ministry. Can I say that again? The mantle or the cloak is a sign of the presence of God and the authority of God upon human ministry. It's very much like the staff of Moses. And there are a couple of principles that I, that I want to finish up with from this wonderful story that are pertinent to, to, to kind of where we're at as a church. In this, in this age of corporate models and celebrity church, it's easy to take on the attitude that people do stuff to change, like we do these organizational changes, and then we just slap the name of the Lord on it. That's not what we're doing here. That's not what we've ever done here. Are you there? I mean, where we're at right now is the consequence of one heck of a boatload of prayer, all right? It's a consequence of a whole lot of me waking up on, in sleepless nights trying to figure out, you know, which way is up. Are you there? 
And I'm not talking about in this just past year or two. I'm talking about, you know, five years, six years, trying to figure out, like, where do we go? Here's the deal. Do you know, like, I, I became pastor here 40 years ago, and uh, it would be 40 years ago in April. Anyway, and I, I was thinking about this over the course of the last year, because these last two years have been the toughest years for any pastoral ministry on the planet. Let me tell you, it has been brutal. Anyway, so, so I was thinking, in, in char- as far as charismatic churches go, a whole pile of churches were established between 1980 and 1990. I mean, there was just tons of churches popping up everywhere. In those days, if you wanted to plant a church, all you had to do is have a guitar and be able to play three chords and find a living room. And so, <laughs> it's true. And, but here's the deal. The vast majority of churches that were planted between 80 and 90 no longer exist. Uh, most of the people who were pastors when I was a young pastor no longer are pastors. Either they, they graduated on to something else, but a lot of them just left in disillusionment. Are you there? And so the point, the point is, is that, that unless you're submitted, unless you're submitted uh, to, 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 to godly fivefold authority and these kinds of things. You know, the, 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 the point is, is that you need to hear God and when you're moving, you need to be moving in God, yeah? And so anyway, so that's what mantles are all about. And in this age of corporate models and celebrity church, you know, there's this attitude that emerges. Now, this is the principle. What appears to be natural change is really supernatural change. And Elijah has to leave supernaturally, and Elisha has to enter supernaturally. That's the way it works. Am I losing you here? That river had to part both ways. You're there. Okay? Do you remember when I titled this crazy message, the Yasha conversion? Well, as I said, it comes from the fact that the names for God change within the names of Elisha and Elijah. All right. And those names changes have to do with the similarities, but as well as the, the, the differences between the missions of the two prophets. Elijah's name, as I said, means my God is Yahweh. And Elijah comes on the scene at a time when Israel and her kings were abandoning Yahweh as their God. Elijah came on the scene as the defender of the integrity of Israel. There were Jezebels and and Ahabs and all kinds of nasty stuff going on. And he's calling down fire on the the Baals, the prophets of Baal and all that kind of stuff. And that was his ministry. Elijah's miracles were to show, in fact, that Yahweh is, in fact, the God of Israel. That was his deal, right? But Elisha's name, S-H-A, means my God is the God of salvation. Or you could say my God is the God of redemption. And Elisha's mission extends beyond Elijah's, not only with more miracles, or double the miracles for Elisha. There's double the fruit for Elisha. Elisha had 500 in the schools of the prophets. Uh, Elijah's ministry was protective. It was consolidated. It was expansive. And Elisha's ministry was spreading salvation even into Syria and to Canaan. 
Elijah, the Tishbite, comes on the scene like out of nowhere, kind of like I did. No pedigree, no big history. Elisha is chosen. Elisha is developed. The majority of Elijah's miracles were involved with protection and judgment and purification. But Elisha's miracles have to do with healing and restoration and the faithfulness of God. Are you there? This is neat stuff. A.W. Pink says this. He says, the work of Elijah was a protest against the evil and the distortion of untruth. <clears throat> making sure that people were not being led astray into deception. It was, it was the doctrinal stuff. The work of Elisha, on the other hand, uh, was an almost continual testimony, I love this, to the readiness of God to relieve the distressed, respond to the call to the needy, whenever that call came from a contrite and a believing heart. Yeah, this is interesting stuff, isn't it? Because it has to do with change. It has to do with conversion. So everything that Elijah had been through, it's remarkable that a ministry like Elisha's would be the succession to the ministry of Elijah. And one of the things that it should show us is this. Watch this. When it comes to the perseverance of his church and his kingdom, the patience of God is never exhausted. Patience of God is never exhausted. I've been pastoring for 40 years hearing people complain about the church isn't this. And I'm not talking about New Covenant. I'm talking about every church that ever existed. Church isn't this. The church isn't that. It should be this. I don't believe in organized church. Well, Jesus did. I don't believe in, you know, Paul did. You know, I, I don't believe in this and I don't believe in that. And church, 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 church. Hey, 2,100 years later, there's a church across the face of the earth, and it's the biggest faith system on the planet, despite all the complaints and all of the nastiness. Are you there? God is faithful. God is a faithful God. Jesus said, I will build my church, and he's been building it, and he ain't done yet. Hallelujah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. All right. All right. I know, watch this, in the back... Of many of your minds, you're trying to say, okay, Grubby's developing a metaphor here, okay. Um, um, what, what are you really talking about here, Grubby? Is Grubby really, what, am I characterizing myself as Elijah? And the answer is absolutely not. Hear me on this. Absolutely not. I've never called down fire on anyone or anything except the Boston Red Sox every October, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't work. <laughs> I have never asked God to withhold the rain except on golf courses, and that doesn't work either. <laughs> it usually goes the other way, all right? See, I see this story. Catch me here. I see this story as a model of conversion from generation to generation. Are you there? It's not about individuals. It's about moving, moving God's plan from one generation to the next. Are you there? That, and which is an incredibly difficult thing across the scriptures, right? It's an incredibly different thing. And 
Uh, so I see this as a model of conversion from generation to generation, moving the ball forward. Elijah and Elisha represent generations of ministry and a moving in the purposes of God. And when, when this one goes and another comes, people don't like change, insecurities begin to arise. And for those who don't like any kind of authority, it's, it's you know, you can't even teach them on this. And for those who don't like... Um, and, and here's, here's the deal. This is what I want to say. <laughs> Ministries and personalities may change, but the mantle always remains the same. Huh? Ministries and personalities may change, but if we're moving in God, the mantle remains the same. Now, <laughs> I was going to end the message here and just pray for tonight's meeting, and I probably should because we're seven minutes over, but, but I was going to end the message, but Lord Jesus, the woman whom thou hast given me. Um, Tr <laughs> Trisha said yesterday, uh, when we were in prayer, she said, how are you going to end this message tomorrow? Because I gave her, I usually give her my texts and stuff and have her look it over and said, I said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to stop right there. They bowed themselves. The, the sons of the prophet said, whoa, the spirit of God is on Elisha. And they bowed him, themselves to Elisha. And she said, now you shouldn't do that. I said, why? She says, because what's coming up is important. And I said, oh, okay, let me look. So I was going to end the message, but then I, you know, I looked at what she had to say. I thought, you're right. So let's go to verse 16. Now remember, okay, Elijah has gone into heaven, right? In a whirlwind. Elisha takes the, the mantle, picks it up, and he rolls it up and makes a staff out of it, slaps the water, the Jordan parts, and he comes back in to, the, uh, to Israel. The sons of the prophets are right there, right? 50 of them are right there. They see what's going on, and they say, whoa, the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha, and Elisha has the mantle, right? So they see that this transition, this progression, this whatever you call it, conversion has taken place, and they bow themselves down. And this is, this is interesting, verse 16. And they, that's the sons of the prophets, said to Eli Elisha, behold now, there are with your servants 50 strong men. Please let them go and seek your master. Let's go look for Elijah. Huh? It may be that the spirit of the Lord caught him up and cast him upon some mountain or into some valley. And he, that's Elisha, said, no, you shall not send. Don't do that. Verse 17, but when they urged him till he was ashamed, that's amazing, till he was embarrassed, some of the scriptures say. When they urged him until he was embarrassed, he said, okay, go look for him, you know. And he said, send. And they sent, therefore, 50 men. And for three days they sought out Elijah, but did not find him. And they came back to him while he was staying at Jericho. And he said to them, did I not say to you, don't do that? Don't go. See, this is fascinating. This is fascinating to me. See, they had the conversion, okay? They made it through fourth down, right? <laughs> they, they had the mantle. Uh, they had the miracle. Elisha was doing the magic. They had the process of God, but they didn't like the change. Isn't that strange? 
And, and, and even though Elisha was there and had all the goods, it wasn't Elijah. Are you there? So, you know, I don't know how many times in the course of 40 years I've sat at a table with people and, and um, I don't know, something was either going wrong in the church or something was going wrong in another church because I minister to other churches and so forth. And, you know, we're having dinner and then somebody comes up and says something like, oh, I wish it were like back in 1997 when, you know, blah, 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 blah happened and God was moving here. And, God, and I just thought, I, I got no room for that. <laughs> I got no room for that, man, because God's on the move. God's fire is just as much alive today as it was in 1997, 19, you know, or 2007, or whenever God was moving. I've been through three major moves of the Holy Ghost, and I am thoroughly enchanted at the fact that God is going to do something really wonderful again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. I'm there. Man. <laughs> See, Elijah needs a supernatural transport to get him out of the way, if you will, into what God has called him into next. How many of you know that Elijah's ministry didn't end there? Are you there? You know, you hit the Mount of Transfiguration, guess who shows up? Elijah. <laughs> and he's talking and he's walking, yeah? And if I, to, 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 to understand the book of Revelation, when before Jesus come, guess who we're all going to see? Elijah, you know? Um, there was a, <laughs> there used to, when I was young in, in the things of the kingdom, with the, with the old latter rain Pentecostals, there was a song they used to sing, Elijah is here, Elijah is here, go tell Ahab and Jezebel, Elijah is here. It was like the Jordanaires, you know? And, <laughs> and I thought, we got to resurrect some version of that song, you know? So, and I, Elijah needed to be transported into what God had for him before the second Elisha came around into the presence of what God was going to do next. So for Elisha, on the, one, on, on, on the other hand, Elisha has to roll up the sleeves and he has to roll up the mantle and he has to make the mantle work, yeah? He needs the supernatural. We all need the supernatural. But whenever God makes a conversion, right, there's always a double portion in it for us if we have a heart to see it, huh? And so that's what the next season is going to be about for all of those of us who are here at NC4, you know. It was amazing to me that, that, I, that I had to wait another week to do this message because um, yeah, I got the COVID thing. And I don't think God gave me the COVID, but he certainly is the Lord of it. And it was pretty mild. And, you know, uh, Trisha and I came through. Matter of fact, we had a lot of time together. But uh, the interesting thing about it was it, that, that extra time, the Holy Ghost began to deal with me and solidify this message. Because this is a message of transition, not just for this church. There's transitions going on all over the place. I'm, calling, I'm being called into a church probably right after the first of the year in Texas that's going through a much more tr difficult transition than, than what, what we're looking at. And you know what? I'm preaching this baby. Yeah. Because this is, this is the word of the Lord. Are you there? 
All right. If you happen to be here this morning and you don't, you never kind of settled things as far as your faith or who Jesus Christ is, and because just as sure as Elijah is coming, Jesus Christ is here and present right now. And um, I just want us to pray a prayer. God forbid we never stop praying this prayer. And if you're online and you're watching or you're here and maybe visiting this morning and you never prayed this prayer, pray it with me this one time. This could be the time when you realize that you need to cross the Jordan as well, right? This is a day when you can count Jesus Christ as your God, your Lord, and your Savior and King. So let's pray together. You can repeat after me a few words that change lives. And it's this, Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. Will you forgive me? I want to turn from anything I know is wrong. I want to turn my life over to you. Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven. Lord, I'm set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness, the gift of your spirit, and I receive that gift right now by faith in your name. Amen and amen. Amen. Father, we just thank you for, for community. Thank you for charism. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this church. Wow, it's all about you, Jesus. Only you can do stuff like this. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the NC4 podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word Jesus to 610-816-6062.